Hello and welcome to A Murderous Affair. My name is Gabrielle and this is the podcast where we talk about women in history known for mayhem and murder. And our woman of the week was inspired by my current obsession, Turkish soap operas. Right, so I'm confused on how I got there too, to be honest. Some random Facebook video led me down this rabbit hole into this Turkish historical drama that's all about Suleiman the Magnificent, who was one of the longest ruling sultans during the Ottoman Empire. Now, like I said, it's random and it's also completely in Turkish and it's just kind of subtitled with English, but it's my new obsession. I just cannot get enough of it. So if you're interested, it's called Magnificent Century and it has 139 episodes, all of which are at least an hour and 45 minutes each. I think the shortest one I've watched was like an hour and 25 or something like that. I'm currently on episode 15, and if historical dramas are your thing, if you enjoy Downton Abbey or Game of Thrones or anything like that, which I know are two weird ones to pair together, but this is honestly like the perfect mix of Downton Abbey and Game of Thrones. Like if those two had a baby, it would be this show. Anyway, so So this recent obsession of mine is what has led me to our current woman of the week, who is Razia Sultana, South Asia's first female ruler, and she was a sultan who broke across many barriers while ruling in Delhi, and is currently the only Muslim woman to have ever sat on the throne there as a sultan. Let's go ahead and get started. She was born in Budan, India as Razia al-Din around the year 1205. She had around three brothers but it seems like they may not have all had the same mother. Her mom really isn't mentioned at all, so I couldn't find anything that definitively said that, but that's just kind of what um, articles and all the pieces that I read seem to imply. Her dad was a slave who worked under the sultan, and forgive me for this pronunciation, I'm doing my best, Qutubuddin, so Q-U-T-U-B-U-D-D-I-N. Now, this ruler was so impressed by Razia's dad and the work her dad did or his work ethic or something like that. Basically, he really liked him a lot and actually ended up giving Razia's father a governing position. Now, when Ruler Q died, one of his sons was supposed to inherit the throne next, but apparently everyone hated him. He was basically described as being completely incompetent and ended up being recalled. Instead, Razia's father was given the throne as he had the backing of Turkish royalty in the court. Or Turkic? I'm not exactly sure because it's T-U-R- K-I-C. So I don't know if that's just two different things. Actually, hold on. Let me let me look this up real quick. Okay, so Turkic is relating to or denoting a large group of closely related Altaic languages of Western and Central Asia, including Turkish, Azerbaijani, Kazakh, Kyrgyz, Uyghur, Uzbek, and Tatar. So is Turkic the same as Turkish? Okay, apparently Turkic refers to not necessarily Turkish people, but people who speak Turkish. Okay, so when I say Turkic, that's what I mean in this article. That's what it's written, and so that's what we're gonna go with here. So, anyway, Razia's father had the backing of the Turkic royalty in the court. Her father's name was Iltmush, Iltutmish, and he was celebrated as a good ruler. He was also really liberal from the time period because he believed that his daughters should get the same education as his sons, and so Razia received an education in government policy, administration, and martial arts. Unlike her brothers, Razia took her education very seriously. It's well noted that her brothers were more interested in, as it's quoted, 
the pursuit of pleasures and she was really more studious and focused on kind of learning the rules and how to be a good governing person. Now I find it's hilarious that they wrote it as the pursuit of pleasure just because it's like the brothers basically wanted to drink and sleep around but even now that's considered almost blasphemous when it comes to talking about the actions that different royal members took. Anyway, I just thought that was interesting. It may have just been a, a way of like a translation error, but um, a lot of the articles I read wrote about how the brothers were interested in, quote, the pursuit of pleasures. Anyway, the brothers tended to screw around and not take things seriously, which was something that Iltutmish noticed. This led to him really breaking custom, and he appointed his daughter to be his heir rather than any of his sons. A few different tales started popping up right around his time of death. Um, some think that he changed his mind on his deathbed, or maybe that he was coerced to change his mind. Others believe that he didn't actually change his mind at all, but his advisors refused refused to carry out his wish and instead appointed his eldest son as heir after he died. Finally, there are some who say that the late Sultan didn't actually appoint Razia over her brothers at all, and this is just a rumor that was spread by her supporters after she'd taken the throne. Either way, Razia was not appointed as heir after her father's death. Dead, her brother Rukin was instead. And I mean, he was kind of this figurehead while Iltutmish's late wife ran things behind the scene, but nobody really liked either of them. Rukin would spend days drinking and running wild, and the late wife, Shah Turkin, tended to be a fan of severe and punishing laws that put those that she didn't like in the crosshairs. And anyone who's kind of in a fan of like severe laws or punishing laws, it just tend to not really be the most popular of people. After an incident where Iltutmish's most popular son, named Kutubuddin, after the late ruler, was blinded in a fight by Rukin, the popularity of both Rukin and his mother dropped to a non-existent position. Members of the court began rebelling, including the nobles and the prime minister. Not long after this, supporters of Rukin were found executing any non-Turkic guards in a type of ethnic cleansing which enraged the general population and led to them joining in with this whole rebellion. During all of this, Razia had been keeping a pr pretty low profile. She tended to go out into the city and mingle with the general population, go to the local prayer halls, and spend her time getting to know the people that her family was ruling. When Rukin went to go fight some of the rebels who had gathered outside the city, Shah Turkin ordered for Razia to be executed. I guess just the fact that she was so well-liked and generally much more competent was enough of a threat that Shah Turkin wanted her taken out of the picture. Also, it was pretty obvious that she was way more well-liked than Rukin and that she kind of knew more about how to lead and just generally cared more about the population than her brother did. When Razia heard of this, she decided it was time for action. The call for her execution happened to fall around the same time that there was going to be a congregational prayer for an upcoming holy day. She waited and hid with supporters until that congregational prayer happened and when she attended it, she was able to get the people gathered there so riled up about the idea of her execution that they stormed the palace. Shah Turkin was taken under arrest and a mob gathered to capture Rukin as well, who turned back when he heard of the palace siege. He and his mother were executed in what's estimated to be November 1236. Now, there's another account that doesn't give as much detail, but says that Rukin and Shah Turkin were assassinated one night on November 9th, 1236, and Razia took the throne on November 10th as ordered by the general population. Either way, 
Both of them were killed only six months after having inherited the throne in the first place. When Rizia began her rule, she made a declaration to the general public who'd appointed her. She stated that if at any time she failed expectations they had of her or didn't act in the interests of the territory she controlled as a whole, that they were to recall and execute her. So she was definitely one of those rulers who was really for the people. And remember how I said that she had a lot of firsts and broke a lot of barriers? Not only was she the first female ruler, but she was also the first to come from a background of poverty and the first ruler to be appointed by the general public and not from the royal court. During her reign, she led in battles, conquered new territories, and was described as being a, quote, skilled and brave warrior. She would wear traditionally male clothing as well as ride through the streets of Delhi on elephants to see the people, much like the sultans before her had done. She also had her name and crest printed on the different coins, much like other sultans had before her. She attended council meetings without being behind a barrier, which which was a norm for women when appearing in front of the government at the time and made her opinions well known about policy changes and the manner in which her court would be conducted. The person who had the role of being a prime minister was called a wazir and he was named Nizamul. He refused to accept her ascension to the throne and he, along with four other nobles who had also rebelled against her brother, joined together to march against Rizia from different directions. She asked another one of the men who she'd appointed as governor to help, but unfortunately when he went to intercept the rebelling nobles, he was captured and killed in captivity. Rizia herself then went to lead her own army outside of Delhi to fight these rebels, and she set up the camp on the banks of the Yamuna River. There were a few minor skirmishes between the army and the rebels, but after two of the rebel nobles, Muhammad Salari, and Uzuddin Kabir Khan Ayaz met with Rizia secretly, they decided to join her. They came up with a secret plan to then capture the other rebel leaders, but it would end up getting leaked back to them, and the other rebel leaders escaped, chased by Rizia's army. Two of them were captured and imprisoned, and later executed, but the wazir ended up dying in the mountains that he fled to and another was recognized and killed at a neighboring village, and they transported his head to Delhi as a gift to Sultan Razia. Now, after this whole mini-rebellion, Razia gained the respect and acknowledgement that she needed to stay on the throne. Obviously, there were those who still resented her, and those who had hoped that she would simply be a figurehead or a spokesperson while the nobles carried on in their tradition of ruling, but their displeasure wasn't brazenly or outwardly shown, and the general public had great respect for Razia as a ruler. Apparently though, after four years of ruling, the fact that she was a Muslim woman who kept appointing non-Turkic people of unseemly backgrounds turned out to be more than some of the nobility could bear. A group of nobles banded against her, two of whom were the ones that she had appointed personally to their respective positions, so talk about looking a gift horse in the mouth there. She was arrested on April of 1240, almost four years after she'd taken the throne. The rebel nobles supported, surprise, another one of her brothers, Moiseddin Baram. His official ascension to the throne was on April 21st, 1240, but the nobles who appointed him once again expected him to be just another figurehead. I'm not sure why they had those expectations, considering that didn't work out at all the last time either, but it also went badly this time around. Instead of just falling in line like they'd hoped, Moiseddin actually assassinated one of the men who was behind the plot of him getting the throne. Within one to two months, 
months of his ascension. Now, in a weird twist, one of the other nobles who'd rebelled against Rizia seemed to realize that he would have more power and gain more benefits by helping her to reclaim the throne. His name was Iktia Rudin Altunia, and after he was ignored when it came to how to distribute the important offices and territories, and seeing that it was basically going to be all of the nobles taking what they wanted for themselves, he decided that there weren't going to actually be any of the benefits he'd hoped from Rizia's overthrow and decided to ally with her. Now, Rizia actually saw this as another opportunity to win back the throne, and she ended up marrying Altunia in September of 1240. The two were also supported by some other disgruntled nobles who'd realized that what they'd hoped was not happening when her brother took the throne. Now, Altunia and Rizia ended up assembling an army, and between September and October of 1240, they engaged in a warfare between the new sultan's forces and their own. Unfortunately, with all the new power and land and basically the army that the sultan got uh, when he inherited the throne, he was able to un overpower Rizia and Altunia and defeat them on October 14th, 1240. Altunia and Rizia were forced to retreat and in their retreat they were deserted by their soldiers and killed by a group of men who supported the new sultan. She died on October 15th, 1240 and to this day remains the only Muslim woman to have sat on the throne of Delhi and one of the only female sultans of that time period. I would love to know more about Razia Sultana and since I am getting so into these kind of uh, international soap operas slash interna international historical retellings, there's actually a bunch of portrayals of her life and um, a TV show called Razia Sultan and it uh, essentially goes through her inheriting the throne and obviously there's um, embellishments taken and just for dramatic effect but there is also a couple of films one of which is Razia Begum an Indian silent film that was published in 1924 and a 1983 biopic Razia Sultan by Kamal M. Rohi. So if you're interested in learning more about Razia and her life and her duration on the throne, um, definitely check those out. The sources that I used were, of course, Wikipedia, an article on thebetterindia.com, and an article on artsandculture.google.com, both about Razia. So you can also uh, watch, apparently, Razia Sultan on Amazon Prime, which I did not know, and I'm definitely going to do. But if you guys are uh, have any thoughts or have any other information you know about the Woman of the Week, then feel free to reach out to me and let me know. This was definitely a really interesting story to read about. I hope that I did her justice in telling it, but if there's anything that I forgot or left out, feel free to reach out to me and let me know. You can reach me at Frumius Reads, that's F-R-U-M-I-O-U-S-R-E-A-D-S, -E and I am on Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, basically any and all social media. Make sure you've subscribed to the podcast, click the follow button wherever you listen to podcasts. We are on Apple, Podbean, basically anywhere that you can listen to podcasts, we're there. I hope you all enjoyed this episode, and as always, thank you so much for listening. Stay spooky, friends, and I will talk to you next week. Goodbye!